Hey, Sales Lift Nation, it's Tyler Lindley, your host here. Today, I have Taft Love, the VP of Sales at DocSyn and the co-founder of Iceberg RevOps on the podcast. How you doing, Taft? Welcome to the show. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So, yeah. So like I mentioned, Taft is the VP of sales for Docsend. Uh, so that is his day job working in SaaS sales and SaaS sales leadership. And he also co-founded Iceberg RevOps, which we are going to focus mainly on RevOps throughout our conversation today. And uh, I'd love to hear, Taft, you are a founder yourself. This uh, podcast mm-hmm. is for a lot of founders and business leaders who are trying to really work on scaling their businesses. What was that like for you being a founder? How did that go? And and what did you learn founding your own business? Yeah, it's a big question. That's a good one. So yeah, uh, a little context here might be helpful in that Iceberg was an accident. I was working at, at Smart Recruiters a few years ago and took on a little bit of a little bit of ops work because that's my that's a, the path I took into to VP sales was was a more ops focused than a, a big deal closer and yeah I took a little bit of work just to make some extra money and then was referred to someone and then eventually I ended up going out on my own and doing some consulting for a while in between jobs and hit this critical point where I made a really dumb decision, which was to hire somebody to help instead of uh, <laughs> say, I can't take on any more work. And a business was born, really. And eventually, I, I got the call from Doxen and I couldn't turn it down. It's a company I've, I've followed and liked and wanted to work with for years. So I put, put Iceberg... Uh, I didn't mean to to set myself up like this, put it on ice for a little while. <laughs> but that's, that's how it came to be. And so outside of work hours, it's something I, I still work on and it's been growing and is has taken on a life of its own. Hmm. So that's how we got here. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. You talked about <laughs> you made the mistake of hiring someone and then it became a business. How did you know? How did you know what that looked like when whenever you needed to make that first hire and whenever it, it became more than just you on your own doing some consulting work? Yeah, that's a great question. It was actually a little hard for me to recognize because I've worked for founded startups for years. And when you have a couple million dollars in the bank because you got your Series A or even half a million because you got a seed round, you don't have to be so careful about balancing your bandwidth with uh, customer needs. You, But when you're... I started iceberg with I think fifteen hundred dollars to set up a website and, and and that was about it. And every dollar that has gone into iceberg has come from clients, which means we are a balancing act and that we can't hire much ahead of our need. So really it it was when I reached a point where I was I asked myself like, should I just shut this damn thing down <laughs> or take on this client who's asking us to handle something that's right in our strike zone? Mm. And I decided, okay, we. I'm going to bring somebody full-time who's been helping me here and there. And that's how it's grown every time. Mm-hmm. And we do over half a million a year now in, in services, and it's still difficult to strike that balance. And I think it will be through the million-dollar mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it's a constant ebb and flow and trying to not hire ahead of what you need. It's definitely a tough balance for a lot of founders in in that kind of a situation. You mentioned that back to your time at Smart Recruiters, that you were ops focused. Uh, Why Mm -hmm. did you lean towards ops? And for founders that don't really understand, like what does operations mean in their business? 
business. Can you give us a little context about what does that look like in scale up SaaS, SaaS companies or, and what does it look like for smaller founded businesses like yours? Yeah. Great question. I actually think it should look relatively similar in startups and small businesses like mine. I actually don't do much different than the the businesses that that come to us for operations help. So defining ops, there are all these terms floating around. There's sales ops, marketing ops, go-to-market ops, rev ops. Rev ops is the term we adopted because it's one that I think is heating up and there was an SEO play to be mm-hmm. had there. I personally like go-to-market operations, even though that's not what's plastered all over our website. <laughs> I think it's a better description because nobody confuses it with finance ops. So RevOps and go-to-market ops are aligned, centralized operations for all of your go-to-market functions. So think marketing, sales, and customer success. An aligned, centralized version of the operations teams that used to be siloed. A lot of companies still have sales ops and marketing ops. And in many of those orgs, they don't talk to each other Mm -hmm. or they don't have the same goals or their leadership are incentivized to care about different things. And therefore, the ops teams that roll into them care about different things. And therefore, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. (laughs) And go-to-market or rev ops is the answer to the problems that spin out from that lack of alignment. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you say whether RevOps or go-to-market ops, if I am a founder of one of these businesses and maybe I'm doing some ops, maybe I'm not, maybe I have some people doing some of these roles, what what should I look for initially as I'm getting to that point where I know I need to start bringing on more people, I'm outsourcing marketing sales or success, or I'm insourcing it, and I'm, I'm really starting to grow and scale my team. Where does operations fit into that kind of inflection point of a business that's ready to start scaling up? They've got the proof of concept. They've got a little bit of money in the bank. They're ready to take it from maybe that low seven figures on into 10, 20 million. Where does operations fit into a company at that stage of growth? That's a great question. You have a few ways you can get there. And I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer, although I'm certainly biased toward uh, the iceberg style. It depends on what your needs are. And that's the first thing you have to ask. It's uh, setting up operations shouldn't be that much different than, than buying a new piece of software. So when you buy software, if you're doing it properly, you're not just going out and buying the first piece of software you find and hoping it works. You're being thoughtful about what your requirements are. What does this software need to do for us? What are the problems that we need to solve? And if you're really well organized, you have a checklist of things. I need it to do these five things as a minimum. And then here are three or four nice to haves that I would also like for it to do. Well, you should take the same approach when you do operations. Where are your hotspots, if you will, the things that need to be solved immediately? Most of the time when companies hire us, it's because they have a board meeting coming up soon and they can't report on their basic revenue metrics. I can't, They're asking for our year-over-year growth and I can't even run a report in Salesforce and tell you how much money we make right now. Like I, I know how much is in the bank. Our accountant can tell us how much money we have, but... I don't know what our annual recurring revenue is from running just a quick report in Salesforce. And if you have the luxury of getting ahead of that, then come up with the things you want to be able to measure, come up with the things you want to clean up, come up with the operational changes you want to make, put together a checklist, and then hire against that. Whether it's an internal hire or external is separate from this set of requirements. And 
that is how a company that's small or large, but especially when you're small, should think about operations versus, well, other companies this size have an ops team. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go hire a, and it always starts with a Salesforce admin who I, I say all the time, hiring a Salesforce admin is like hiring a plumber to build your house. Mm-hmm. You actually need an architect and probably a job site manager and you need a framer and an electrician too. But everybody hires the plumber first and then is surprised when their house doesn't it doesn't look like it should a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that example there with the Salesforce admin. And if you're thinking about when to do this, I mean, does this is the operations piece, is this important to set up prior to thinking about marketing and sales and success? Obviously, a lot of focus is probably put on marketing and sales, getting customers in the door, and then probably success after that. Where should operations like RevOps specifically fit in terms of when should you start thinking about it? Should it be, obviously from day one would be ideal. What's realistic in a lot of these startup scale-up type companies? When should uh, when should these companies think, okay, man, I've got a problem. Other than you brought up the example of, I've got a board meeting coming up. I need to be able to see the year over year yeah. growth. Obviously, that would be a, a natural trigger. But mm-hmm. if maybe the it, there wasn't that board meeting trigger, wasn't that need for that metric, what are some other triggers that these companies might see to where we really need to start thinking about this alignment? We really need to start thinking about our entire revenue operations engine versus just doing it siloed and doing the best we can. That's a great question. So... Uh, The ultimate answer is it depends, of course. Some of the things it depends on that might help founders think through this is how well-resourced are you financially and how quickly do you plan to grow out your team? Mm. So if you have an aggressive growth plan over the next 6, 12, 18 months and enough money in the bank that that you're going to hire at the rate you expect, then it's probably, especially if a lot of those are revenue hires, it's probably a good idea to think about getting operations in place early. Something that that happens often is we'll talk to a company that says, we're hiring a VP of sales in three to six months. So we want to start working with you as soon as we've got them hired. And often we, we tell people, actually, you should probably get us in a little bit before. If you want your If you want to actually understand whether you're a new VP of sales or marketing or customer success, has been successful, there's a lot of stuff that is not really dependent upon their preference that just needs to be built the right way. You need to know if you're a SaaS company, what your monthly or annual recurring revenue is for every account across the company. Because if you want to judge them on ARR growth, you probably should know what the baseline was. And if you hire us a month after you hire them, they're going to be in month three or month four before you even have a baseline. Mm. And the flip side of that is, if you're trying to be really scrappy, you can actually get away with with not having operations for quite a while. If you're like, honestly, if Iceberg weren't an operations company, if we were building just software only, we probably still wouldn't have an operations function because I can still do it all. Mm-hmm. So I also wouldn't rush to to install an ops function because your friends who are also founders have ops people. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a specific articulable need that you aren't able to meet yourself before you go higher because in-house is very expensive. We are less expensive, but we're still not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's a serious investment to get real a real operations function. Got it. That makes sense. It sounds, one theme I keep hearing you talk about Taft is data. And it sounds like with operations, with implementing operations, you get some 
objective data that can drive mm-hmm. biz, key business decisions. Uh, is that one of the key benefits of implementing revenue operations, whether you bring it in-house or you outsource it? Is it just access to that data that might be there, but it might not be actionable, it might not be visible, it might not be tangible enough to be able to be used? Is data the key differentiator there for RevOps? Yeah, it's it's interesting you ask that because our tagline is know and grow. And of course, there are companies that can grow with really poor operational infrastructures because their message market fit and their product market fit are really tight. And despite their best efforts to screw it up operationally, they grow and grow. Mm-hmm. But chances are you're not that. If you're listening, chances are you actually need to have an understanding of your fundamentals to grow to the next level and not plateau. And so when it comes to operations, one of the things I ask founders, it's usually founders who meet with me first and bring us on as an external resource. One of the things I ask them are, what questions do you want us to answer? Because that's where operations should start. What what are the questions that you need to know about your business you can't answer today? And if you can't think of those, you probably haven't thought through your operational needs enough. And a good answer to that is... In what industries are we having the best success? And across all of our lost deals, who is eating our lunch? And when I spend a dollar on LinkedIn, how much am I getting back? And 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 those are that's a big part of the requirement sheet that you should put together. What are the questions that you need to answer? And the answers to those questions, this is actually the original idea behind Iceberg was that the reports themselves, the the sort of outcome of a good operational function is answers to questions, which are usually in the form of reports. Mm-hmm. The reports themselves are the tip of the iceberg. You have to have several things that are correct, built well, in order for that report to be trustworthy. This is a little speech I give sometimes. All reports are accurate. Every report you see in Salesforce, HubSpot, wherever, every report is accurate. The problem is it might not be trustworthy. It might not actually be telling you what you think it is. When you look at a report, in order for it to be trustworthy, first, the filters in that report, the actual data you're filtering has to be filtered properly. And then a level below that is the fields that you're filtering have to be the right types of fields and contain the right information and have a complete enough fill rate that you're actually getting reliable data through those filters. And then your reps actually have to be trained to, or marketing people or whomever, have to be trained to put information in the fields consistently and properly. And then you actually have to be training them to do the right thing. And if any of those are wrong, then your report is not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we talk about answers to these questions, there's like a whole, that's just the tip of the iceberg, the report or the answer is. Mm -hmm. If if data is actually trustworthy, all these other things have to be done. And so I've gone off on a tangent here, but that is why I talk so much about questions. What questions you want to answer? Because having answers to those questions that are trustworthy mean that you've gotten all these other things and all of that is operations. Yep. I've never thought of it in the form of just questions and answers. It's such a, it's a simplified view of it, but it does make sense, especially when you talked about all reports are accurate, like you mentioned, but are they trustworthy? Which at the end of the day, that's what's important. Is that data trustworthy? Because that's what these founders can action on and make smart business decisions based off of the data. If they can know that the reports are trustworthy, if they're just accurate they may or may not be able to. One thing you mentioned there was, and I know I've seen this a lot in the companies I've worked for, 
is having the data being inputted in by marketing, sales, customer success. Let's be honest, a lot of time this would be sales reps who are not inputting in data correctly. If you find that is a key thing missing from the trustworthiness of your reports and of the data that you're keeping to make these key business decisions, how can you go about, it's easy to say we need to train our reps to do that, train sales to do that. But how can you put more infrastructure around that? How can you make that more reliable? Because as we know, you know, sellers just don't want to update the CRM. They don't want to update key things. They're always trying to find ways around it. I know I'm, I've worked in sales a long time. Any loopholes you can find, you're trying to find. But at the end of the day, the businesses and these founders in these positions need that data from the sales rep in order to make these key decisions about where they want to grow and how they want to scale. How can we hold reps accountable and what kind of infrastructure have you seen that has worked to make sure that data is being inputted in correctly and accurately and reliably by the sales team? So good question, a really big one. So I'm going to give you a short answer that just covers a little bit of what's in here as you ask that question. So there's a lot of strategy to consider. So it's really easy to say, oh, have the Salesforce admin just make these required. You can write a validation rule in Salesforce or you can check the required box in HubSpot and just, we know we need all this data. There are 15 fields on the lead we just need. So make them required. <laughs> Guess what? If, if your SDR or your account executive or your field sales rep doesn't know the answer to three of them and they're in a hurry, they're just going to put in something. They're just going to put a comma in there and move on, or they're going to pick some random value and move on because they don't actually care. They haven't, and no number of speeches from you is going to help them feel the way you feel about data integrity. They just, they want to get their deal done and they don't want to, they don't want every time they log into Salesforce or HubSpot to feel like a trip to the DMV. <laughs> and so there are a few things I like to do. One is challenge founders on, do you actually need this? Yes, you feel like you need 27 fields filled out for a lead to be turned into an opportunity. But do you actually, what are you going to do with it? And the question I ask is, how will this answer change your behavior? Tell me, what do you do with it? And that is a common sort of like pause in the conversation where they often can't answer. Sometimes they actually can answer. A founder has a really good reason I didn't expect. And I say, oh, wow, that's really thoughtful. And yes, you really do need this. So the next thing I like to do is put reps on rails. And this is this happens in two ways. One is I love buttons that kick off flows in Salesforce that walk you through everything that needs to be done to get through this section of your deal. So you have a lead, you want to turn it into an opportunity. Instead of having 13 fields that are required that sort of show up all over your view, you click a button, qualify lead. And everything you need to do pops up and either takes you through a wizard or puts the, the fields that are required in order to go to the next step right in front of you. And I like doing that throughout. So closing a deal in Salesforce, I like a button, close deal, an action pops up and forces you through the flow versus trying to train people to like go look around this layout and you just have to remember and mostly because of trial and error, how to how to close this deal and which five things need to be filled out. Instead, let's guide them through it and make it easy, put them on rails. And training to that is much easier also. 
Yep. hundred percent. You, it, it reminds me of uh type form, which is a form builder that yeah. <laughs> it, it's, some of it is psychological, but it's, you're not mm-hmm. able to see, especially if it is a 27 question form okay. in order to close a deal. I hope it's not out there. Founders don't make your reps <laughs> fill out 27, 27 fields or they never going to close a deal. But if it's like a type form where you're only seeing that step that you're on and you're making it a little bit simpler, I think just psychologically that can be easier for the rep who just wants at the end of the day, like you said, they just want to get, they just want to get the information in. And if they feel rushed or they don't know the answer, like you said, they're just going to put something in to move on because they're not going to waste their day trying to make sure that this data is full and accurate so that you have every, all 27 fields that you need to understand that this is a qualified opportunity. They're just not going to do it. It's just human behavior. I think it's such a, it's such an interesting discussion. Any other final advice that you'd have for these, again, our podcast is for these founders who are ready to scale up their business, get it to that five, 10, 15, 20 million, 20 million mark. Any other parting words of advice that you'd have for these founders as they consider implementing revenue operations in their business? Yeah, I think this one, full disclosure, this is filled with my bias, but it is so common for us to see companies that have hired a junior operations resource early on because we're not big yet. Anybody can really do these operations. And they spend in the Bay 120000 on a Salesforce admin who comes in and knows how to build things, but doesn't know what to build. And a year later, you have a crowdsourced Frankenstein of a CRM and, and related systems. If you haven't thought about it yet, go look at, if not Iceberg, then one of the other ones out on the market and an outsourced firm that does this day in, day out for companies your size and has solved the problems you're having a hundred times over and probably will do it for significantly less than the cost of a single headcount. That is advice I would give to to any founder who's at a place where they think they need operational structure in order to scale. Don't necessarily assume that you have to own the resource internally to get it right. Got it. Makes sense. Taft, how can my listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you? I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Taft love. (laughs) And you can also go to icebergops.com and find us there. Reach out to us through the website and, and somebody will be in touch. Perfect. Awesome. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. Taff, I want to thank you so much for joining the sales Love today. It's been a great conversation. We'll definitely have you back on to talk more RevOps in the future. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action. And the results will follow. See you next time.